You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. Hello and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. And we're coming to you for the first time this year, and we are recording this in the run-up to Valentine's Day. Well, amid all the hearts and flowers and cards and romantic uh, getaways and expectations, we started thinking about the phenomenon of young love, how young people today process the intense emotions that surround their first experiences with romantic attraction and attachments, and how the adults in their lives can help support them through those times. To talk about this, we're very, very pleased to welcome Brianna Allen. Uh, Brianna is Site Supervisor of Community and Outpatient Programs at Kids Pieces Broadway Campus mm-hmm. in Fountain That's Hill, right. PA. Brianna, great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so excited Oh, to be this here. is great. I need to make a disclaimer at the beginning of this uh, conversation. We are not talking about how adults should talk to young people yes. about sex. This is not the having the talk thing. There's lots of advice out there for parents on uh, discussing that very difficult subject. Yeah. But I want to start by, by asking, do you think there is also a need for parents to understand and deal with the emotions that surround romantic attachments separate from the sexual issues? Yeah. You know, it's, there's so much anxiety around the talk and everybody knows what it is because parents get so anxious about it that it sort of overshadows this other really important conversation about what does a relationship even look like and, and what does it feel like when you're attracted to somebody and what feelings and experiences are really normal, but they feel really alien when you're going through them for the first time. And there's this sort of much, much larger conversation that I think gets sort of missed and it's important to have it's important to help kids prepare for it it's important to normalize it as a parent because you know it's anxiety producing for the kids and as a parent it's really anxiety producing as well um when we think about our kids being attracted to other people or sort of moving on a little bit um and and i think that that gets overshadowed often but it is a really important conversation it really it it strikes me too that uh, you know and, and you know this is just my opinion that in some ways um, talking about sex with a young person is actually a, a pretty straightforward thing. People kind of know mm-hmm. what's going on in there, but the, the, uh, the attraction element is so complex. And yeah. as you said, you know, a lot of times it's not like kids can say, oh, well, I know this cause I've, I've been aware of what's <laughs> going on with my development. It's like, I have no idea what's <laughs> going on with me. Um, yeah. let me, let me start with something. Is there a consensus, um, that, that you've seen Uh, as to the age at which this kind of thing, this having a crush on someone um, emerges? Sort of. So we know that this is um, starts to happen and kind of happens hand in hand with puberty. So when kids start to develop and their their body chemistry starts to change a little bit and they are no longer sort of little kids mimicking. We see a lot of little kids mimicking. This person's my boyfriend in second grade. That doesn't mean anything. It just means that I like to spend more time with this person. They're my good friend um, or they're just sort of they're parading around what they see otherwise. And that's normal. and right. OK. Right. But um, we know that when kids hit puberty, that that changes a little bit and suddenly they start having feelings that do feel very different for somebody they might be attracted to or somebody who previously they just saw as a friend. Um, We know that girls hit puberty a little bit younger, so usually around 10. Boys hit puberty average around 12. 
Um, so sort of around there, but sort of with the caveat that every kid is different and everything, you know, you sort of have two kids and they look like they were, you know, completely different. One might, it might happen earlier for one than another. Right, right. What are, what are some common factors that contribute to uh, the development of these intense feelings towards another person? So um, when kids start... Um, becoming attracted to other people when they start noticing that there are these real changes that are happening in their brain and in their body. Um, and, and from the outside, I think it's easy for parents to become dismissive, right? But the, the different chemicals that are occurring in their brain, the parts of their brain that are lighting up, we know that those are real physical changes. So when you have an increase in dopamine in your brain, when you have an increase in norepinephrine, these parts of your brain that are associated with pleasure, with doing something that you enjoy, with an increase in focus, right? So when we suddenly, our 13-year-old can only talk about this one person and you're like, this is insane. There is a, there's a physiological reason why. Um, and, and I think that kids often don't understand that. Suddenly they're just obsessed with one person and they don't know why, but they like right. it. Right. And, right. and f from an adult's perspective, it can be hard to remember that that felt really real when you were 13. It's not just relationships don't only become important when you get older and when you're sort of looking at marriage, when you're 13, 14, 15, those feelings are just as strong. And, you know, without the sort of benefit of having learned to manage intense feelings at that and, age. And maybe, maybe the, the experience, yeah. uh, having had the experience perhaps more than once, you yes, know, have that issue, you're able to put that perspective in there. Yeah. Are there negative consequences for the young person's development resulting from the forming of these romantic relationships and the intense emotions that you discussed about it? Yeah. So, I mean, there are certainly higher risk things that you want to be aware of. So, um, 12 and 13-year-olds are not known for their impulse control all the time, right? And so the older you get, the higher risk things can become. And so if, if all of your thoughts and emotions are centered on one person, you might be um, more at risk of acting out impulsively. And maybe that means doing things you're not supposed to do to spend time with them. Maybe that means flouting some of the rules to, to be able to, to meet that need of, I really want to be around this person. Um, and just in general with relationships, there's always a risk that a relationship can become unhealthy, that it can be... Um, and, and this is with romantic relationships and friendships, just in general, you, you want to be able to help your children navigate what does a healthy relationship feel like and look like. And the reality is that, you know, kids at this age, they're still figuring out the rules of the world around them and what's typical and not typical and, and what's um, it's a healthy way to interact with others and not. And so while you have not just one, but two people trying to negotiate that while spending lots of time with each other, whether intentionally or unintentionally, it can be a really difficult experience and it can end up being really painful. Um, and so it's really important, again, you know, we started off by talking about why is it important to talk about this? Our, our kids should learn to, to recognize what does it look like when things are healthy and when it's not, how do I know to, to manage that? What do I need to do to manage that? What are some things that parents can do to support their kids through these situations? As, as, you, as you noted, you don't want to dismiss the feelings yeah, because yeah. they are real and plus if you dismiss them, you know, you're, you're going to shut off that communication channel to your child. And then forming social bonds in this way and in other ways is part of normal development. So yeah. are there some tips we can give some of the parents to deal with that if they're having to, if they're seeing their child going through this at this time? Yeah, absolutely. 
I think the most important thing that we tell parents is if you want kids to tell you about the big things, you have to listen to the little things. Because the reality is for kids, it's all the big things, right? If somebody that your daughter likes looked at her some kind of way in lunch and she felt great about it, she might go on for three hours. But that's okay because for her, it's a really, really, really big thing. And then maybe down the road, if there is something that feels a little bit more high risk or a little bit more worrisome, she's going to be more likely to talk to you about it because you didn't shut her down when she tried to talk about the first thing. All those little things lead up to kids feeling comfortable talking to you about the things that adults perceive as big things. So it's really important that even if for you, you don't identify it as, man, I'm trying to get homework done and baths done and dinner done. It, it is really important to set aside time or make time within that to talk about the things that feel smaller. And then that builds to kids being able to talk more as things get bigger. Um, I think also. Well, let me, let me ask you this yeah. though. And I don't want to come off as a, you know, anti-romance, yeah. but um, when I was thinking about the questions I wanted to ask you, I had written down, you know, if, when the relationship ends, yeah. What are some things parents need to be sort of cognizant of? And I don't even think that's anti-romance. We don't have a bunch of thirteen-year-olds who go on to get married, right? right. Like <laughs> nobody's. No, these thirteen-year-olds are not typically staying together until you know forever. Um, it, they probably are going to break up, and that's okay. That is. That's not. Um, I think sometimes that gets associated with, and it didn't work, right? There was something wrong with this. Mm-hmm. But that's just sort of a part of the process at this age. During this age. Kids are just learning about the world around them and what relationships should look like, what they want a relationship to look like, what's important to them. And breaking up is an okay part of that. How do I manage the sadness that comes with that? And how do I manage my anxiety the next time I like somebody to know I might want to date them, but what happens if we break up? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really good research that talks about how healthy and sort of um, healthy relationships during teenage years really are good indicators of having healthier and happier marriages as kids get older. And and if our instinct is to say, well, if you're not old enough to marry, then you're not old enough to date, it's sort of, it's, it's taking away this whole educational period um, that kids can have during their teen years by spending time with people they're attracted to and getting to know them and figuring out, you know, what does it feel like when I'm talking to somebody that I'm interested in and what, what kind of behavior am I okay with them having towards me? Um, so it's a good period of time, even if there is a breakup in the middle of it. And there are things that you can learn, can take away from yeah. that will help those future relationships. Yeah. It's not like you say, well, I did this, so I'm going to do the exact opposite every yes. time. And then you're, you're sort of ping-ponging back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's difficult. Brenna, this has been great information. Now, we ask each of our guests to provide us a life hack. Yes. This is a favorite saying, a piece of advice, maybe just a tip on doing something around the house mm-hmm. better than ever. So what's your life hack for us today? So my life hack, it's, it's literal and figurative, but my life hack is buy the tools before you need it. My husband and I, um, we got a house about a year and a half ago and something that we didn't even think to ask for, but it was so helpful when people came over and helped us you know, painting and fixing things up. A number of them left their tools behind for us to just have in case we needed them. And in the middle of the night when a pipe is broken, it is really helpful to not have to figure out. There was a pre-planning in that that we didn't even do on our own and it was really, really helpful. So that's the literal version of it. Um, we spend an enormous amount of time in therapy talking with families about the need to practice and develop and learn skills before you need them. So if we're talking about and, and you know thinking about teens going through this, if we're thinking about kids who are um, feeling anxious or frustrated or worried, um, 
that's not the time to teach them a coping skill to manage it. Right. 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 If you have a kid who's already angry and you ask them to take deep breaths, they'll hyperventilate. Like that is not (laughs) when you want them to learn a new skill. Our brains aren't meant to learn new things when we're in crisis, right? We just, we don't process and retain information the same way. So we spend a lot of our time when things are fine, when things are calm, how do we develop these skills so that our body recognizes it when we need it? So there's a lot of, we have a lot of families who practice deep breathing at every red light. And mm-hmm. they journal even when they had a great day because we know that we want that skill to be there, ready for them before they need it. Um, it's almost the analogy is if you if you talk to folks who are athletic or play sports or whatever, they practice those uh, those skills over and over yeah. and over again so that they have the muscle memory yes. when they're trying to think about the competition. Exactly. And similarly, you want that memory, that emotional memory, that yes. behavioral memory to kick in. That is really great advice. Brianna Allen is Site Supervisor for Community and Outpatient Programs at Kids Pieces Broadway Campus in Fountain Hill, Pennsylvania. Thanks again for joining Thank us you. and for this wonderful advice. I was glad and, to be here. And, and happy Valentine's Day. Thank you very much. As we begin our new year, we would like to hear from you as to what maybe we should be talking about or questions you have about our podcasts. You can contact us via the Contact Us tab at kidspeace.org. The Conversations with Kids Peace podcast is produced by Robbie Allred. I'm Bob Martin. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you join us again for more Conversations with Kids Peace. Take care. <laughs>